Cyber Insiders from Adama. Hello and welcome to Cyber Insiders, the podcast that shines a light on what it's really like to work in the world of cybersecurity. I'm John Maynard, Chief Executive at Adama. And I'm Joe Gilhooly, Chief Marketing Officer. In this episode of Cyber Insiders, we have Rob Black, Director of UK Cyber 912 Strategy Challenge. Rob's an expert in cyber warfare, cyber deception, cyber resilience and cyber strategy. From planning multinational naval operations, combating piracy, to lecturing on legality of cyber operations and the use of social technologies. He's had quite a unique career path. Rob, warm welcome to the Cyber Insiders podcast. You've had a very interesting and unique background, whether it's from chasing pirates to influencing world leaders. Tell us a bit about your work in the Ministry of Defence and how this has kind of shaped your career in cybersecurity. Well, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, thank you very much for hosting me today. Um, I guess my, my background is slightly different to the usual uh, career in cyber and I don't think I was actually conscious of what a career in cyber would look like when I started with the MAD. But most of my time in that role was helping them think about difficult problems and those complex issues that they were having to face and having to address probably for the first time as the international society evolved and and we were grappling with these transnational threats or whatever they might be. So for me, my contribution was bringing in different disciplines and different backgrounds to deal with the problem at hand for individuals in the MOD who weren't necessarily experts in those fields, but were experts in warfighting or a traditional military path, were now having to grapple with very different problems with solutions that might not necessarily fall within the traditional remit that they were expecting. So for me, I think there's a lot of overlap when we think about cyber today and think about the impact of cyber and cyber situations operations on our businesses. You can actually see that we're now shifting, I think, a lot of our focus to a much more holistic approach to dealing with that crisis or dealing with that situation. Just wanting to pick up something that you said, uh, Rob, about you know what a career in cyber looks like. I'm kind of thinking because of the the depth and breadth of your background and experience, you you must have had interests as a child or, or something else that's helped to form this. How did you how did you fall into your your kind of path? Um, I, I think I, I probably, if I'm honest, didn't have a, a deliberate. Uh, certainly didn't have a vocational calling to cyber, and certainly didn't do any technical work in cyber. Um, the closest I probably came to was playing computer games as a kid and a misspent youth, and realizing that there was this virtual domain that I was interacting with with others as well. I remember being, you know, quite an early adopter of those one-player games, shoot 'em up games, where you could then dial in and join other groups and other individuals across the world, and you know, connect up on messaging platforms and, and meet other people or converse with other people that you would otherwise have never met. But beyond that, I hadn't really considered a path that led me into cyber. What I did realize during my time working in the MOD was that quite significantly cyber and the virtual domain was going to shape how society interacted. And as a, a vehicle for individuals and groups of individuals, meeting, connecting, sharing knowledge, this was going to be a game changer. In the military, we have a phrase of revolution of military affairs, but this was a revolution in societal affairs, and this was going to change the way we approached everything. And so for me, I think there was probably a decision point in about 2010, around then, that I suddenly realized I could get paid for playing on the internet and dealing with these issues, and that seemed pretty good, to be honest. So I'd always had exciting work problems to deal with, and this seemed to be the next logical step. And we hear a lot, Rob, uh, you know, cyber skills gap, talent shortages, diversity challenges in cybersecurity. It is a perennial problem of the industry. Is there anything you can share with the audience around your kind of learnings around making that decision from moving from a defense-based career into cybersecurity? Um, I think there's a, a couple of points I'd pick up on. I can't um, underestimate how much of a imposter I feel throughout my career in cyber. And, and I'm sort of 10 plus, nearly 15 years in cyber, and I still feel that imposter because I don't feel that I have the technical backgrounds that is expected of me. 
However, I still feel that I'm making a valuable contribution and I'm shaping and challenging and critically um, contributing to whatever project and activity I'm in and with organizations that I'm working with. And that's reassuring and reinforcing the value I'm adding, even if it's not necessarily um, the traditional format that most people expect. And I guess that's what frustrates me when you see a lot of uh, job descriptions at times being quite lazy and just rehashing, we need X qualification or Y qualification, rather than thinking more holistically about the mindset and the approach that they need to deal with the problems at hand. So that would probably be the first area is that um, for those individuals thinking about a career in cyber and whether they've got the right skill set, that a little bit of imposter syndrome isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, actually, it's about recognizing you can make a constructive contribution. One of the areas I would pull in is, is the Cyber 912 Strategy Challenge. We have a great opportunity to build a pipeline of future cybersecurity leaders bringing university students in and we have an organic gender diversity that is 50-50, which is almost unheard of in cybersecurity. That's not us promoting it. That's us reaching out to different communities in the university fields and saying, this is a contribution you can make. You would be interested in this. Moving to those different communities, moving to those different groups and saying and highlighting where there's a role for them or, or there's an interest for them leads to that diversity by default. And actually, not only are we seeing diversity, we're seeing really effective individuals who will go on and have a significant contribution to cybersecurity, whether it be in the UK or internationally, coming through the program, having never thought about cyber before, because they fall out of the scope of the traditional outreach efforts to the technical skills or the STEM skill sets as well. So I think that's real value for me is, is, is actually recognizing we probably need to, in the cybersecurity industry, revisit our assumptions as to what skill sets we want and what we need, and not rely on the old and perhaps traditional um, staged understanding of competency in cybersecurity, particularly from an age when we've had to go with those people who've only got those set skill sets because that's the only skill set out there. So I think for me, it's about evolving our mindset in terms of who we're asking for and what we're asking for. While we're on the subject of the Cyber 912 Strategy Challenge, can you give us a bit of an overview about the programme and its objectives and, and kind of key successes to date? Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great programme. It's a bit of a passion project of mine. So uh, tell me to, to stop if I go on too much. Um, it's, it's a great activity. What, what we try and do is bring an, an experiential learning opportunity for university students to get them to feel what a career in cyber might look like. But a career in cyber where they're bringing together and blending their approach across strategy, policy and technology. So for me, my aspiration is to get the technologists and those people on the traditional cybersecurity or the computer sciences disciplines to lift their heads up and realise that you can't just focus on a technical solution and actually to get them to realize they need to think about broader factors in the response they might provide. And then for those individuals, not necessarily in a technical background, but from other backgrounds, whether it be geography, philosophy, even the arts, is to realize that even though they don't feel they're in a traditional space for cyber, they're learning their skills, their competencies are developing at university through schooling, actually provide them with a skill set that they can use to effectively contribute. And then we take the students through an experiential learning activity where they play the role of advisors to government during the time of a cyber crisis. So they have to come up with courses of action that they would recommend at various different stages of the crisis. And we're looking and assessing them in terms of how they're presenting that course of action recommendation, how they're doing the analysis, what information sources they're putting on, but also those softer skills, how they're doing that briefing, how they're working effectively as a team. Those skills that often get picked up in all of the cybersecurity skills reports, the, the complementary skills that are outside technology, are seen as absolutely critical, particularly when we get to the more senior levels. We're giving them that first opportunity to experience that because it often sits outside, certainly the technical domain in their, in their university courses. And if they're coming in from arts, philosophy, geography, whatever it might be, they're not necessarily going to have that experience as well. So it really gives them an exciting and fun way of participating and learning about cyber. And then at the same time, we then introduce them to individuals from the cybersecurity world, industry, government, so they can meet with them, 
learn from them, be inspired by them, and ask them those silly questions that you don't necessarily feel comfortable asking because they seem like a, you know, a, a godlike figure in the role. Here's an opportunity just to connect and realize that they're human like everyone else and learn their tips about how they progress through, the, through their career and how they end up doing what they're doing and what they like about what they do, what they don't like and so on. As an outsider watching the work that you're doing, though, I think that that passion is so important to fuel the industry going forward. So it's just great to see the progress of the of the challenge that you're actually working on there. And I think it's really helpful to the to those of us that are working in that industry as well. It's really rewarding to hear individuals come up to you and say that was the highlight of their university career or this has led them to take a job here or, you know, I didn't really think about cyber and now I'm thinking about it or I did a technical degree. I was really interested in that, but now I'm thinking about these other issues and these other factors and I'm going to go and pursue this internship here or, or this opportunity there. That's the win for me, to be honest. It's that real good feeling of shaping someone's contribution and, and putting them onto a different path that they're now really excited by rather than just the path they were sort of following without really thinking about. Is that the uh, is that the same buzz you get, you know, following the move into lecturing and academia? Um, I think so. I, I've I guess for me, if I if I reflect on my core values, it's there's something about facilitating happiness and, and development in others. So there there is a core component in me that I really I really do like encouraging. I think that's why I like the role I did in the MOD. I was supporting others and enabling them to perform as effectively as possible in in lecturing and, and academia. Most of my students are military students still, but I'm helping them think and consider factors they weren't necessarily considering about how they fight in the future and hopefully empowering them to take difficult decisions with regards to integrating cyber into military operations. And then now in into the competition, I'm seeing people flourish in different career paths that they wouldn't otherwise have considered before. So for me, that's that's probably the, the ultimate reward is having that impact at a one-to-one -one level or an individual level and seeing them change as a result. Just exploring that a little bit more as well, what do you think are the barriers stopping people from joining the cyber industry? And what do you think we, we as an industry can do to help address it? We've, we've touched on it in a couple of other areas, but what are the specific barriers that you see? Again, I think the, the lack of um, holistic thinking to the strategy, I think, would probably hold us back a bit. Now, it's seen as a very technically dominant space. Obviously, it needs to have technology there. I'm not arguing that it shouldn't have technology. But I think it's bringing those you know, holistic thinkers, um, those strategic thinkers in and actually recognizing that they can play a massive contribution to incident response to all of the various different stages of, of the cyber operational space, um, all the way up to the board level. And I think actually getting them to see a much more holistic approach. I think that's probably something that COVID-19 was really good at. There's not many things I think I would celebrate with COVID-19. I'm certainly not articulating that our government or any government's response to COVID-19 was perfect. But actually, we had a situation where we had a technical threat. We had a virus. You know, we had this virus and we had to learn how to control it. But the impact of that threat was so much more than just the technological aspects. We had to think about furlough policies. We had to think about travel policies. We had to think about everything else. We had to sort of think about how society was going to continue. That didn't just require the technologists to lead the charge. It required a whole of government, a whole of society response. This is the same in cyber. This is where we need to be. But we too often delegate it to the technical default because that's the expertise of dealing with the threat. Any last words, pearls of wisdom we've got? We've, you know, our audience is risk leaders, business leaders, technical people, uh, cyber, new people to the industry. Any any last words of wisdom? I guess for me, there's there's two factors. Think diverse, think holistically, wherever you can, and always think about the human. Always bring that human back. If your thing is just a technical process or you're seeing it as just a strategy to think about the implementation of technology, stop, pause, bring it back and think about how we can bring the cognitive element back in the decision-making process and how we can use that to our advantage. That sounds like pretty excellent advice to me, Rob, and a great note to end on. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and for your valuable insights. 
Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rob. Cyber Insiders. Untold stories from behind the cyber frontline. Follow and rate on your podcast app. Adama. Together, we've got this.